All right, we're going to open up now for a time of questions. If you're a brother in the church and you'd like to ask Roger a question, just raise your hand and uh, Landon will bring you the microphone. Please stand and then we'll uh, do our best to respond in a timely manner. I'm not expecting any controversy, but man, there's a lot of people who know about singleness and marriage. Uh, do I need to get ready? Okay. All right, fine. I'll go first. Okay. <laughs> so, Roger, you were commenting on 1 Corinthians 7 about the idea of good versus better or best. And I, I'm not sure that I fully understood your argument about that. But there is actually a better later in the chapter. There is. Let's go there. So maybe you'd like to talk about that because you didn't discuss this. Now, I know verses 36 through 38 are notoriously tricky for translators. And depending on what version you're reading, you might come away with a different idea. So some think that this is a man who's betrothed to a woman. Some think this is a father whose daughter, his unmarried daughter, is betrothed. And so this is Paul's counsel to what he should do there. Uh, but could you talk about verse 38 and the difference between well, good and Well, I could better. start in verse uh, 36. Now, as Shahe has said, there's controversy about this. And am I going to solve the controversy? Probably not. Uh, it's solved in different ways in different translations. I think the New King James, I think it does a good job. I love the New King James because I think it does a good job in several. I think it does a good job here. In the New King James in verse 36, but if any man thinks he is behaving improperly toward his virgin. If she is past the flower of youth, thus it must be. Let him do what he wishes. He does not sin. Let them marry. So who's he talking about? Let them marry. I think he's talking about a young man who has been betrothed. He has a fiance. And uh, if things are they're getting old and they just need to get it over with, they need to go. They need to be married. <laughs> and uh, he does not sin. <laughs> and so uh, verse 37, Nevertheless, he who remains steadfast in his heart having no necessity, but has power of his own will, uh, he has so determined in his heart that he will keep his virgin, he does well. All right, I think verses 36 and 37, New King James Version, talk about the young man, or maybe he's not sewing anymore, we don't know. The man who has a, uh, a betrothed, a fiancé, and it comes time, there's no sin, he needs to get married to her. But then in verse 38, it changes, and it says, so he who gives her, now it sounds like it's the father with a young virgin, a young woman, uh, in marriage does well. It's okay. But he who does not give her in marriage does better. There's the better of this. Now, it doesn't actually, I thought about how I would answer this question. It's not actually talking about the young woman, whether it's better or not for her. He does better if in the present circumstances, he cannot give her in marriage. So you might say, from the father's perspective in this case, uh, in the present distress, it's better. He does better. Now, if she goes ahead and runs away and gets married, unless she's breaking the law or something, or that uh, marriage is still good. But the father, he does better. It's not saying that it's better for her to be married or worse for her to be married. The father is in the better situation if he can keep her single under that present distress. That's how I thought I would answer the question. Good. I plan to teach this verse to my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> better. 
Oh, Austin Bauer. If you can keep her single, it's better. <laughs> Appreciate it. Um, you were talking about how young men and young women need to, um, when it comes to how they serve the Lord, it really needs to emulate how married men and women serve the Lord in the same capacity. I know for myself, and, and I think I could speak for, for other single Christians, both men and women, there's a lot of trepidation that comes with that, a lot of hesitancy um, because of our position in life, because we don't have that partner to help us, and maybe we don't have uh, the financial stability or um, quite the same resources at our disposal as married people do. Um, could you speak a little bit to, to how one can and should overcome those, uh, those hesitancies? We talked a little bit about economic. We noted up here that in a general sense, uh, unmarried people are not as well off economically as married people. That's not always the case. There are certainly a lot of single men and women who do well. They go to school. They get good jobs and they do well. But statistically, overall, uh, unpartnered people are not as economically as well off. And they have some problems because of that. Hospitality becomes a little more difficult and uh, you have to live within your means. And, but you're talking about something different, I think, a little bit. Trepidation in serving the Lord. I really believe that what you're talking about probably is the experience of young people. Young people look out at the older people and they have a little bit of hesitancy trying to do what the older people are doing. And that's okay. You probably can't do everything the older people are doing. You have to grow and you have to learn. But it's not especially your singleness that's hindering you. It's just Give yourself time to age and grow and, and develop. That's, that's what I think. I, I understand that trepidation, that hesitancy to do what the older men, the married, it's not just the married men. Sometimes we're looking at the older men uh, to do what the older men are doing. You just have to let yourself have time to grow and not think that you can be everything at the age of 25 that you will be at the age of 45. Married or single, that's true for all of us. Uh, brother, could you talk about the widows in 1 Timothy chapter 5? Uh, he says that he wants some of them to marry and some of them not to marry. And uh, why the difference? And the ones who don't marry, they seem to be supported by the church. Are there any expectations on them? by the church that is supporting them as far as the, the sort of things they'll do with their time. Well, I don't know exactly. I've heard that talked about before. But um, I don't know. You mean like should she, what's she going to do? Is she going to, what are you expecting? Are you expecting her? And you might. I don't know if the church can hire a woman. I don't know if that's right. In fact, I I don't think that's right. In fact, I don't think that we ought to hire, the church should have employees. But, but have that, say that as it may, um, I don't think we can hire, we should hire the older women to do what? 
clean the church building or what are we going to hire them to do? I, I think our expectations of those women, our expectations are this, I would say. <laughs> verse, 1 Timothy 5, verse 10. She's well reported of for good works. If she has brought up children, it's past tense, if she has lodged strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has relieved the afflicted, if she has diligently followed every good work. I think that's what we would expect her to continue doing, what she's always been doing. That's what I would say. Okay, we've got several questions. So we're going to go to Dakota over here in the corner, and then Aaron Boone right next. Uh, first off, I'd like to say thank you so much for that presentation. Um, I think you did a masterful job on that. Uh, I think it's something that should actually be mandatory viewing for everyone in the church uh, because I've heard a lot of unscriptural things on this topic, especially in the light that um, I feel like a lot of individuals are under the impression um, from the study that they've done that there's a, a clear advantage to marriage. And as you've pointed out throughout the study, uh, when you actually look at the two things, there's a lot of burdens uh, that can come with marriage and a lot of responsibilities that you might not have as a single person, especially with that singular focus in the condition that you're like Paul and you can truly be that singularly focused on serving the Lord. Uh, my primary question is in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Uh, if you looked at that in your studies, is that something that you would take into consideration when maybe counseling people that are single and looking towards marriage? Um, because, you know, as with many things, we kind of try to avoid uh, situations that might put us into a position where we might be in a place where we can stumble. I'm not saying that this is particularly that kind of instance, but something to consider. Can you fill out that a little more? What kind of a question? Are you? Let's read before you do that. First Peter chapter um, 3, verse 7. Husbands, so he's talking to married men, likewise dwell with them. I assume that's their wives. Uh, with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Did you have a more specific kind of question? Yeah, I mean, uh, from my perspective, uh, you know, as a single man, that's not something that I actually have to worry about, is my prayers being hindered uh, for the case of not maybe being in the best relationship with a spouse. Is that something that you would maybe talk to single people about before, you know, considering marriage about how to properly handle their relationship with their wife? Well, sure, sure. If someone was counseling a husband and wife, this would be a verse. Uh, Greg, do we read this verse when we're counseling people concerning marriage? <laughs> I think we would. I think this is one passage that we would read. Husbands, you have a responsibility in general. I'm not here to talk about husband and wife relationships. But in general, it's the husband's responsibility in leadership of the wife uh, to be responsible uh, to maintain to help maintain the relationship. When there's a problem, a husband, sometimes you have to be the one. I'm sorry first. Uh, and that kind of thing. You have to take that upon you. If that solves the problem, you have to be the one. And, you know, some men have a hard time with uh, doing that kind of thing. He has to honor and respect his wife is what this, this verse teaches. Um, that your prayers may not be hindered. If you're going to have problems with your wife, it can affect your spiritual life, is what this verse is teaching us. So, that's one of those things married people have to think about. 
Marriage will affect your spiritual life. Uh, this masterful job, Dad. Um, one of the questions that kind of gets brought up with all of this, first I thought it was great that you brought up the point with marriage, what he's talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, is that sometimes marriage doesn't always fix the problems. One of the things that gets brought up to me a lot is that young people will have these issues whether with temptations and with struggles, and they say, well, if I get married, it'll fix everything. And so off your life experience as a married man, how can you prepare yourself with struggles, with issues, going into marriage, knowing that that's not going to fix all the problems? And so how can you prepare yourself for that? And then a second quick question, with kind of playing off what Austin said earlier with how can young people serve, uh, how would First Timothy chapter 4, verse 12 play into that issue where he tells Timothy, let no man despise your youth, but be an example to believers in word and conduct and love and spirit and faith and impurity. Is that a verse that young people can turn to to figure out how they can serve and work uh, as God's people within the church as examples to other people? And so those are kind of my two questions. Well, thank you for help on the answer about how young people can serve. First Timothy chapter four, verse 12. That's a good one right there. Uh, marriage doesn't solve all the problems. Uh, I chose marriage. I think now, after 40 years, that was my gift. You know, that was my, that's where I needed to be. Uh, if I had not married, I feel pretty confident that I'd say, singleness was my gift. <laughs> and I lived it that way. Because, you know, we, we choose the life that we have, and we do what we can to make it the best life that we can. And if you marry, you give it everything to be married. And if you're single, you give it everything to be single. You don't pine your life away. Uh, you have opportunities and blessings uh, both ways. Like Dakota said, we're not saying one is better than the other. Depends on life circumstances, your particular gift, there may be other things that have something to do which what might, with what might be best for any one particular individual. But whichever place you end up in, are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be loosed. It won't be better. Are you loosed from a wife? Don't seek to be uh, bound to a wife. It won't be better. You work and you make the situation you're in the best it can be. Brother, I think you did a fantastic job. I, I think it was very balanced, and, and I really appreciate you showing us through the scriptures that this is something that's um, positive from both aspects both from the married aspect and from those who are single. I really appreciate that. I think that's helpful to all of us in whatever category that we are, but the most thing, whatever we do, let's do it for the glory of God, and I think that's something that you alluded to. One passage, that was my comment, my, my question is, you had mentioned again, first, and brethren have talked about 1 Corinthians 7 and talking about the present distress, and you made a quick reference to the gospel accounts where Jesus talks about in the days of Noah, they were marrying and giving in marriage and so forth. And that's a kind of equivalent to a then present distress because it says 
until Noah entered the ark, and obviously things changed. So <clears throat> my question is, is that, and then you, you referenced the situation in Ukraine. So it, it would seem that during these times of tumult and, and trouble and trial, that these are not the times to think about family and trying, I mean, it kind of seemed that that was kind of the, the point that you were making and that the scriptures even kind of bear that out. But then I thought in my mind, I thought about what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 4. And oftentimes, this is even read in, when we preach a wedding. And he backs up there in verse 8 and he says, There's one alone without companion. He is neither son nor brother. Yet there is no end to all his labors, nor his eyes satisfied with riches. But he never asked, For whom do I toll and deprive myself of good? There is vanity and grave misfortune. He's just a selfish person by themselves. And then he says right after that, and this is usually where we pick up, Verse 9, two are better than one, because they have good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. And my question is, is that it would seem like, and, and I'm in, I really mean this, it, Everything that you said was so good, so balanced. But that in times of stress and trouble, frankly, from I guess speaking from a married man of 25 years, that I can't imagine being alone. And I don't want to, I sure don't say this to, 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 to bring down anyone that's not married. But speak to us about this passage, about how that, it does seem like in the wisdom of Solomon that he's saying, you know, you can get through it better with together than alone. I'm just, and so I'm trying to kind of reconcile that in my mind. Thanks for the question. I, I appreciate the better verse there. Uh, I appreciate that. And he must be talking about a man and a woman. Well, we hope so. Verse 11, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. Although... When I lived in Zambia in cold nights, I slept by myself. I can tell you about Zambia. Um, we would have a gospel meeting. The men slept on this side and the women slept on that side. And I can tell you, the men sometimes snuggled up together. <laughs> but, and it wasn't anything, it was just to keep warm. And, uh, but we think this would certainly apply to a man and a woman. And I think, uh, I'm a married man, I think this is right too. I think... Uh, like I said, it was a little bit of an eye-opener for me in chapter 7 to realize that he's saying married people have problems too. Uh, and so if you're married, don't seek to be loosed. And if you're loosed, don't seek to be married. I don't know if he's saying here already. I immediately thought, well, Solomon had 700. But, you know, that's... Uh, this is an inspired, revealed state. Two are better than one. And uh, for those of us who are married, we just need to believe that. I don't think that if you're single, and it should happen for some reason that your gift is to be single, and life circumstances took you a certain way, that uh, you should regret that. Do you have any closing remarks, Roger? No, I appreciate this. You know, I took, got this study and I thought, oh man, 
I've been married 40 years. What do they want me to talk about being single for? So I didn't actually talk about the challenges and obstacles of being single. But that's how it flowed for me as I was uh, reading all this and put, trying to put it together. And I thank you very much. I appreciate this study. Thank you.